Hello and welcome to episode number 489 of Smart Podcast Trashy Books. I'm Sarah Wendell and my guest this week is Nalini Singh. I have reader questions from our Patreon community and her publicist and past podcast guest, Aaron Galloway, about Archangel's Light, which is Nalini's latest release. We are going to talk about so many things, and I want to say thank you to Anne, to C, and to Aaron for the questions. And stay tuned after the episode. I have an additional question that came in after I recorded, and Nalini was cool enough to email me an answer. Hello, and thank you again and again and again to our Patreon community for making this and every episode possible, especially the transcript part. I love having the questions from the Patreon community, so if you would like to join, have a look at patreon.com slash smartpitches. This episode is brought to you in part by And They Lived Happily Ever After by Therese Beharry. From acclaimed South African author Therese Beharry, this own voices rom-com about a romance novelist with a touch of magic is loaded with heart, heat, and smart, sexy banter. Successful romance author Gaia Anders has a secret. Anything she dreams at night is magically written into her best-selling novels. After a lonely childhood in foster care, her dream life is the only one she trusts. Gaia's waking life just can't compare until she gets caught in one utterly surprising, crazy passionate, real-life kiss with workaholic Jacob Scott, who has had a crush on his brother's best friend, Gaia, since forever. Their chemistry is making him want a future he didn't think was possible. If you haven't read Therese Beharry, definitely start here. Laura, who is one of the reviewers here at Smart Pitches, adores her books. So don't miss And They Lived Happily Ever After by Therese Beharry. Find out more at kensingtonbooks.com. This podcast is brought to you in part by Amazon Music. Since you're listening to this show, I think it's probably safe to say you like listening to podcasts. So heads up, you can find a ton of binge-worthy podcasts, including this one, on Amazon Music. Amazon Music has more than 10 million free podcast episodes to listen to, but Amazon Music isn't just for podcasts. It has music in the name, and they have thousands of music stations and top playlists to stream for free. I really like listening to very mellow instrumental music in the evening and while I'm working, and one of my favorite new stations on Amazon Music is their lo-fi hip-hop collection. It's part dreamy and part rhythmic, and it just soothes my brain at the end of the day. And I can listen on my Bluetooth speaker from my phone, from any Alexa device, and on my computer in my office. It's everywhere. For a limited time, new customers can try Amazon Music Unlimited free for three months. No credit card required. Just go to amazon.com slash trashy books. That's amazon.com slash trashy books to try Amazon Music Unlimited free for three months. Amazon.com slash trashy books. Renews automatically. Cancel anytime. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you in part by Beanbox. If you have coffee fans on your holiday shopping list, or if you love coffee and maybe also chocolate or biscotti as much as I do, heads up. Beanbox connects coffee lovers with expertly curated coffee tasting flights, and they have tasting boxes that feature coffee paired with biscotti or chocolate. I love the coffee and chocolate pairing box, and I immediately thought of about four different people who would love one of their own. There are eight gourmet coffees paired with eight artisan chocolates. Beanbox's best-selling gift options are sure to please the coffee aficionados in your life. They'll even get tasting notes and brewing tips with the box to help them make the most of the experience. Give the coffee fanatic in your life an unforgettable coffee tasting experience with Beanbox. Order today at beanbox.com slash Sarah Holiday and get 15% off purchases of $40 or more. That's 15% off of purchases of $40 or more with promo code Sarah Holiday, S-A-R-A-H Holiday at beanbox.com slash Sarah Holiday. This podcast is brought to you in part by Rothy's. It's 2021 and nobody has time for uncomfortable shoes. And that is where Rothy's comes in. 
Their fan favorite styles are sustainably made with materials like plastic water bottles. They are available in tons of shapes and styles, and you always can find the one that is right for you. And they're washable. You might have heard me mention they are comfortable, they are stylish, and they are fully machine washable. It is my favorite thing about them. If they get dirty, I chuck them in the washing machine and they come out looking perfect. Nothing says fall like soft, plush merino wool. And for the third year in a row, Rothy's is launching an exclusive autumn collection featuring washable merino wool styles. They are incredibly comfortable, cozy, and 100% machine washable to help you welcome fall. In style, Rothy's is doing something special. That is right. They gave us the chance to share this super rare opportunity with our listeners for a limited time. Right now, you can get $20 off your first purchase at rothys.com slash Sarah. That's rothys.com slash Sarah. Head to rothys.com slash Sarah right now to find your favorite new styles today. This podcast episode is brought to you by Ritual, a vegan-friendly multivitamin delivered to your door that's formulated with high-quality nutrients in bioavailable forms that your body can actually use. Many people aged 19 through 50 are not getting enough vitamin D from their diet, and some are not getting their recommended daily intake of key omega-3s. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin was formulated by exhaustive research to help fill nutrient gaps in the diets of women ages 18 and up. It is formulated with nutrients to help support brain health, bone health, blood health, and provide antioxidant support. Ritual also invested in a gold standard university-led clinical trial to prove the impact of Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin. I like knowing all the steps behind my vitamins, and I love the ease. My multivitamins are delivered to my door every month with free shipping, and I can start, snooze, or cancel my subscription at any time. Right now, Ritual is offering my listeners 10% off your first three months. Visit ritual.com slash Sarah and turn healthy habits into a ritual. That's 10% off at ritual.com slash Sarah. I always love talking to Nalini. She is one of my favorite people to talk to, and it's really fun to make it work with all of the time zones between us. So I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. On with my interview with Nalini Singh. I am Nalini Singh. I live in New Zealand and I write romance. I write paranormal romance, urban fantasy romance, contemporary romance. And um, I also write thrillers, which are non-romantic. So not romantic suspense, just straight out thrillers. Um, My very first one had a slight thread of romance in it. So that was A Madness of Sunshine. And the second one was completely non-romantic at all. But uh, the rest of my work is very romance focused. And I call myself a romance writer. Well, I mean, we all appreciate that. (laughs) So uh, congratulations on Archangel's Light. Thank you. I'm so excited that it's, you know, out in the world. Has this been like a really hard wait? Because I know the anticipation for every book is big, but it seems like this one has a little bit more, I don't know, almost uh, growing pressure behind the release. Like this one was a lot of anticipation from readers. Was the same true for you? Yes. Yeah, I was. I really wanted it to be out uh, because I knew readers were waiting for it. But also it's been a long time coming. So the wait for this book hasn't just been the wait since I turned in the book. And, you know, the edits were done and everything. It's been years. And so it felt, it felt somehow longer because, yeah. because of that time that had gone on before. And, um, and I was also just, I just wanted it out there for, for people to read and get to know these two. Cause I had such a fun time. I mean, writing the book. Yeah. So. 
Yeah. With the publishing process, it um, it actually helped a little bit because, it, you know, I would get the, I got it back for revisions. I got it back for copy edit. So I was reading it again and it was back in the world and it made it a little bit shorter. But after the point where it was finalized, so it had been proofed, it was basically going being typeset, you know, set up for print, set up for ebooks. And then there's those months where I don't get it back again. And so then it's just waiting. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that was, that was hard. Long wait. I was just as impatient as readers, even though obviously I knew the story. Right. But uh, I was ready to have it out of the world. Yeah. It's different when it's in your brain versus when you're writing it down versus when you're reading it on the page. Those are three different stories, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's just just getting to hold the physical book in my hand, uh, especially the cover on this one is just astonishing. Who did you and kill? Just- <laughs> because not only is the US cover gorgeous, but the European Australian version of with the with the wings is I mean, seriously, what's what's the secret? I, I don't care and about so craft, I'm, I don't care about plot, I don't care about characters. Who did you kill? Is this why you write thrillers? <laughs> I, I can't talk about it, Sarah. But, you know, I might incriminate myself. Oh, bother. No, honestly, it's it's both covers. I feel so lucky. They're astonishing. And I just think both art departments just knocked it out of the park. Seriously. Um, they're, yeah, they're gorgeous. Yeah. They're amazing. Now, speaking of art, this wasn't in the questions that I sent you, but I was taking my noodly break on Instagram and I saw your picture from... Yeah, it was last night. Yeah, Did you time see Michelle is... Taiki's art? Yes. Tell me about this <laughs> art. Holy crap. I know. She's amazing. Michelle's actually a Kiwi. She does this amazing, you know, art for both series. She's mostly been doing the the Guild, uh, the Shai Changeling series um, at the moment. No, she's just brilliant. And I and I love her work. And she's been great. She's sent me some prints and they're going to be go- going up in my office. But I have to say that recently um, on Instagram, I've just been tagged in so many great pieces of fan art. Um, if you scroll back through my feed, I usually try and share those. And there's a there's a story I have at the top with a fan art, um, all the fan art that I've shared, you know, it's, yeah. it's up there. There's another artist who makes those, um, oh, what are they called? The Funko Pop yeah. type dolls. Yeah. She's been customizing those. And there's this amazing piece of um, baby Ilium mm-hmm. that's that's on my feed. Um, and that's Maria. And she's she's done amazing work as well. So I just feel so lucky that people are creating art um, and sort of bringing to life what I see in my head. And it's so interesting to see all the different visions the artists have. And I love, I love having it all around me in my office, you know, it goes up on the walls and yeah, it's just, it's really nice. What an honor, right? Yeah, it is. I do feel honored and that people are spending their time, you know, creating these works and yeah, yeah, it's because it is, you know, it's truly art. I mean, and so many different kinds of art. So I have some Archangels Light questions, some from me and Erin Galloway, your publicist, who's fabulous, and some from my Patreon community, some of whom were very excited that I was interviewing you. (laughs) So Erin and I both wanted to ask this question. When -hmm. you started the series, the Archangels series, and people began shipping the angels together, you didn't confirm that you had plans for them to be a couple. 
So when did you start planning the buildup for this? My theory is that it's actually enslaved to sensation. And if I go back and read Slave to Sensation, I'll find... No, that's... I know. I'm completely serious. I'm completely... Other (laughs) series, I don't care. I know how your brain works, ma'am. You drop clues like 5, 10, 20 years ago. I will go back and reread Slave to Sensation. I'll be like, oh, wait, hold up. There is an angel reference right there. Don't tell me I'm wrong. (laughs) Uh, uh, Unfortunately, I must tell you uh, on that one, Sarah. Um, you were looking at me like, does she not know the difference between my two series? <laughs> she going to have to edit this big app. Nope, I was completely like, dry serious there. Yeah, you you no. plant build up like nobody I know. I mean, you did the same thing with Heart of Obsidian. I bet if we go back yes, to your so- grade school papers when you were writing fiction in like fourth grade, <laughs> there's like something about some girl who got kidnapped with a star and like, oh, well, there she is. <laughs> I have to tell you something funny. I was talking to my sister, Ashwini, about my very first book, yeah. uh, Desert Warrior. I can't remember why we brought that up. And um, she was saying she hadn't read it for a really long time. And I said, well, I actually picked it up not long ago. And there's all these panther references in there for the for the hero. And this is a compl- this is um, uh, like a kind of just a contemporary romance. Yeah. You know, it was for Silhouette Desire. And so I was like, I thought that was hysterical. I was like, wow, I obviously had panthers on the brain. You had some um, shifter <laughs> motifs going. I see it. I'm not even wrong. Not even wrong. 20, 25 years ago, Nalini's plotting the book for 2024. <laughs> yeah. So um, to answer the, the Ilya Minatin question. The actual question. Yeah. Fine. The, yeah. I have to remember it. But um you know, the interesting thing is I actually never planned this one. Really? At, at all. It is, yeah, it has been a very natural progression. So when people asked me, like, way back when, when people started tripping them together, I literally was like, I had no idea. So I just kept writing it. Um, for a long time, I had no idea what was going on with these two because that relationship is really unique Yeah. Um, in terms of how long they've known each other how close they've been and how many things they've survived together. Probably at least halfway through the series, I probably started to get an idea that it wasn't so much thinking in terms of a romance, but starting to realize that between these two, who could possibly come in between these two? Like who could possibly be as much to either one of them as they were to each other? And I think once I had that realization, again, I was just thinking, I, where is this going to go? Because this relationship, this bond is so powerful. Right. Like, where is it going to go? And then when they had that big fight, yeah. I think if I had to point to a moment where it was like, I could kind of see where it was going, it was maybe there. Because you don't have that kind of fight with someone that doesn't matter in every sense of the word to you, you yeah. know? Yeah. And and it doesn't hurt that much. And it's not that emotional. And it kind of runs through multiple books, how the impact it has on both of them. But yeah, overall, and this is this is one relationship that really grew naturally out of the characters. And I would just, honestly, I was along for the ride. I was like, I don't even know what you two are doing. I'm just <laughs> here to tell the story you want me to tell. So let's do it. And um and then, yeah, we got to this point and I realized this is it. This, yeah. it. It has to be the two of them. And you're dealing with beings that are incredibly old. And when you say they have yes. history, like they have history. <laughs> yeah. And in this world, they're actually relatively young. I mean, they're 500 years old. Yeah, you know. So 
just 500 roughly barely got their angelic driver's licenses (laughs) not old enough to rent an angelic car yeah so it's like for them you know they're um they're still very much growing into themselves and discovering who they are obviously they're adults in the angelic sense you know they're squadron leaders and yeah you know, powerful parts of the seven. But in terms, you know, these beings can live 10,000 years, 20,000 years, 100,000 years. So for them, 500 years, it's as much time as it needs to be to get to this point, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And from my Patreon community said, I am jumping up and down that you are interviewing Nalini after the release of Archangel's Light. And I know that (laughs) questions need to be spoiler free since it was just released. Thank you, Anne. Anne says, how much backstory did you know before writing this book and before writing the series? And did any parts of their stories surprise you other than the part where they ended up together, which you just talked about? (laughs) Before writing this book, I knew all of it because I've spent... So Iliam appeared in Angel's Blood, which yeah. is the very first book. Yeah. Um, and then Arden's first appearance was in, I'm um, pretty sure it was Archangel's Kiss. So that was the second book. So I've spent over 10 years with these two and I know them really, really well. Um, and a lot of the stuff that ended up in the book, I had already had in my head for a long time. Um, I didn't know as much when I started writing the series, because obviously, as I said, for me, Part of the joy of writing the series is that exploration of character. Yeah. And, and and it's like peeling back the layers of the onion. And it's not just with these two, it's with all the characters. I find out so much as we go along. And that's um, so I'm obviously not a plotter in terms of the characterization. I yeah. just I just peel that onion and you know see what they show me as we go along. But yeah, by the time I wrote this book, I was I knew, I knew them so so well and that's part of why I could write this book at this time because I felt like I could really do them justice what was surprising for me surprising is not the right word but surprising in the sense of when I wrote that scene um about what happened to Adam so staying spoiler free here it was it felt so traumatic to write it even though I had known about it. Yeah. It was dif- different to putting it on the page and actually making it real. Yeah. You know, where before it was a part of his history. Yeah. And in this book, we're, we're living it in the moment. Mm-hmm. That was really hard. I think if I had sort of thought about it before and I would have thought, no, I, it'll be fine because obviously I have known about this for so long. You know, it's not a fresh hurt. It should have become something I could write about with a little bit of distance, but I couldn't. I was in that moment. I was in that moment with Arden. I was in that moment with Raphael and Iliam and Jason and all of them. I was literally crying. And that's fine because I think for me as a writer, when that happens, I know the scene is really powerful and I feel like the emotions are what they need to be. But yeah, I did not see that coming. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it's almost as if it, you you know about it. By writing it down, you're telling someone about it. And that's a completely different process. And I remember doing an interview with you, but I remember you telling me with Heart of Obsidian that there is a scene later that Caleb remembers one way. I don't want to give too many spoilers in case people haven't read that one. But I remember you telling me that you handed in the manuscript and the editor sent it back and was like, all right, where's that scene? And you were like, I really don't want to write that scene. And she's like, where's the scene? I need it. So I can understand yeah, yeah. that actually getting this thing that you know happened out of your head and telling everyone about it for these characters that live in your brain, that's really hard. It is. It is really hard because when I write also, I'm in certain points of view. Yeah. 
And so it's their emotional responses as well that are living in my head. Yeah. As, and, and so Raphael um, is the point of view for this particular scene. And he's enraged, but also like heartbroken. And it's just when you know who Raphael is and who Raphael was at that point in time. Mm-hmm. So it's not the Raphael we know from Angel's Blood or no. even Archangel's War. Or any of this, it's Raphael, you know, 200 years ago. Just It just all just felt so raw. Yeah. And yeah. Anne also wanted me to ask if your villain has more evil surprises that haven't been uncovered. <laughs> you know, honestly, I've given up predicting what, <laughs> what surprises she's got. Because <laughs> um, I was like, oh, yeah, we'll just go into this forest. Sure, Fine. yeah, no big deal. No, no big deal. And then I was like, oh, God. yeah, big deal, big deal. <laughs> Honestly, she's left a mark. She is incredibly powerful being Yeah, who chose evil. And she has left a mark on the world. It's a scar on the world. And it's not just going to vanish. No. Because that's how I write. You know, for me, part of the joy of a series is, is seeing the progression of things and not just the good but also the bad yeah. Um, because, you know, you need that balance. Right now, you know, it's actually still very fresh because, mm-hmm. again, we have to think in timelines that are immortal. Right? It might be a year from the previous book, but for an immortal, that's... That's a sneeze. That's, yeah, that's nothing. You yeah, know? that's a sneeze. So, and you think of the amount of power that was involved. Yeah. And the, the, so there's a ripple impact that's going to keep running across the world. I think it's going to reverberate. Right now I'm writing the next side changeling book. And when I do that, I just let, for example, the guild hunter stuff just kind of simmer in the back of my brain to yeah. see what feels natural. So yeah, so we'll see. We'll see where we go. And there's a particular book I want to write, but um, I need to figure some stuff out. Sure. We'll see. We'll see what the subconscious tells me comes up with answers. It's funny Hope. you should mention, because one of Anne's questions was, when you're working on a book in one series, do ideas for the other series come to you? How do you manage going from very different worlds, from Guildhunter to Sci Changeling to thrillers to contemporary? Does it take you a while to decompress from one book to the next? Or do you have what I think of as the uh, crockpot in the back of your brain? And instead of one, you've got like five and all the different <laughs> genres are in there and they just bubble away for a couple millennia and see how they do. Yep. Yeah. I got the crockpot. <laughs> I love my mental crock pot. <laughs> so if something is bugging me, like it's it's ready, you know, yeah. it's it's bugging me. So for example, I had um, had an idea for my next thriller, and I just gave myself a few hours to just compulsively write down all the thoughts about yeah. it, and then and then it's okay. Yeah, then it's okay. Then I can put it aside because I know I've I've saved the yeah. idea, I've saved the thought, and I can come back to it. That doesn't mean the loop is actually closed. It's still the the crock pot is still bubbling back yeah. there, but. It's not pushing into my, um, like, it's not trying to take over yeah. my writing time because my focus has to be on the book I'm working on. But yeah, I, I quite often will get ideas for a different series than the one I'm working on. And that's usually what I do. I'll write it down. Yeah. Um, whether it's in a notebook or usually what I do is I, I create a file, uh, put it all down. And then um, it's really calming because like you said, it's okay. I saved it now. Yeah. So it's, it's there. So, you it's, know, it's ready for me to go back to. I don't and have to rely on my brain. It will, it, it, it's, <laughs> it, my brain it's is not going to hold there. on to this. I can just put it somewhere else. Yes. <laughs> it is. It's, it's like in its space, you know, and, and also I find is when I put it down, yeah. 
I quite often find it solidifies things and then other ideas sort of form slowly in the background. In terms of switching, um, I actually like it that everything's so different. There's no bleed, you know, from one to the other. It's very different. So when I switch, it's a very clean break. Yeah. There's no worry about mixing things up or getting confused. It's just, you know, they're their own discrete things. And that's actually part of why I do you know, I write all these different things because they're also different and it's mm-hmm. fun. It's fun for my brain. I guess if you use an exercise analogy, it's like doing different exercises, mm-hmm. you know, to keep yourself fresh yeah. the whole time. Yeah. And for your brain, it's like getting on a plane in New Zealand and going to sleep and waking up in Morocco. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, I got nothing to add to that. It's, yeah. it's a brilliant analogy. Yeah. <laughs> I remember talking to you once about um, how you used to know Japanese very fluently and you don't remember mm-hmm. it. And you said, well, it's in my long-term memory. And I yeah. didn't understand what you meant until I went to Spain with my husband a couple of years ago. And for some reason, the combination of the sounds and the smells and the sights and, and being back there, I remembered all of this stuff. I remember yeah. all this language. So my theory is that your long-term memory is just a, a truly cosmic thing of beauty. <laughs> Because you have the long-term memory for all these series, <laughs> plus some languages. Like, has anyone offered to study your brain? <laughs> I think, um, yeah, read my books. You can study my brain. Yeah, that's true. Don't There's I- a lot in there. <laughs> <laughs> now, C from Patreon wanted to know, how has your writing evolved since you started? Are there things you pay attention to now that you didn't when you were first writing? And I I love this question because I, like I said, I did just read the whole series and I could sort of trace the evolution of paranormal romance and the archetypes of paranormal romance heroes through the series as they evolved and grew and changed. And I was like, this is so cool. So are there (laughs) things you pay attention to as your writing changes and grows? So it's really interesting. I think someone like you who has read the series, you know, in a close proximity, you know, you've read the series through, you're more likely to pick up things than I am myself. Mm -hmm. Because for me, it's a continuous process. Right. I'm probably not as aware of things as a reader would be. Obviously, I've learned certain structural things, you know, grammatical things, those type of things. That's just knowledge that's built up over the years. But I think what I'm more aware of is, um, obviously, I've matured. Yeah. Over the years. And I feel like that maturity comes into the writing as yeah. well. I know more about the world. Um, I have a wider circle of people I know. Um, Except for lockdown. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, being in New Zealand, it's, it's, I've always had a lot of online connections. Yeah. yeah. Like, and so that, you know, that's continued on. And so I feel like it's not so much structural or technical writing things I'm most aware of, but I do think I'm probably more aware of um, the vastness of human experience more. Yeah. Because I'm older and I've, I've had more experiences um, and just, yeah, growth. And, and so that's been kind of fun because for some of my characters, I've grown alongside them. So they've matured and I've matured and, and, and yeah, it's, it's interesting because I think I can write more, well, I hope I can write more complex and interesting relationships because mm-hmm. I'm more aware of all the, how should I say, the various facets of the human heart. Yeah. And I think that's, that's a growth process that continues for all our lives. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, so yeah, yeah. So not so much the technical, but maybe in terms of the emotions I can access for my characters. Yeah. 
I was, I remember speaking recently with my husband about how, you know, for us, we're, you know, boring middle-aged people. You know, things happen and we're like, oh, okay. But for my children who are younger, who are teenagers, what I call the the pool of emotional experience is a much smaller body of water because they are, they're not even 15 yet or not even 16 yeah. yet. So, you know, their pool of emotional experience is very small and any disruption makes really big waves. Whereas for, you know, people who have grown and aged and matured, your pool of emotional experience is much, much larger. And so it takes mm. a lot to really upset the surface. Like you'll have little pebbles and stuff, but it's like, all right, I can handle that. Which is which goes back a little bit to um, Archangel's Light because the fight that they have for beings that are so old with an enormous ocean of emotional experience, a fight to cause that much disruption is a major, major thing. It's like a, you know, a meteor hitting the ocean. Yeah, I think it's... Um it's a really good way to put it because I think I would use an explosion analogy like a volcano because it's been backed up for a long time it's been coming for a long time yeah and then it blows because for part of them the issue is that there's been sort of a like I said that's stuck in a holding pattern yeah so the emotional growth that should have happened has kind of become stuck at a point in time and yeah, yeah, it's just circling Mm -hmm. and it needed for them both to grow. Yeah. It needed to, to be broken that pattern that they fell into. It's explosive. Yeah. I mean, on the surface of it, when you look at that fight, it's, I mean, it's a fight. It's not like a world ending kind of a fight kind of thing, but it is for them because it's the, you know, it's that final domino that you push. Yep. And then everything else falls over. Boom. Everything else comes out. So their fight itself might seem like a minor thing, yeah. but that's not what it's about at all. No. You know? There's always a much bigger uh, powder keg behind the little behind the yes. little fuse, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. the upside of it being a volcanic explosion in the ocean is that's how <laughs> new islands are formed. <laughs> that's right. Which yeah, I've yeah, heard exactly. is a thing that happens. Yeah. <laughs> yep, yeah. And in a sense, that's what happens here. Yeah. Because of that, that explosion creates the space for something new to mm-hmm. grow. Yeah. Um, and yeah. So like when I visualize it, it's like, like a tiny sprout, you know, like g- growing yeah. and it's fragile and it's beautiful and has to be protected and given space to breathe. Yeah. C also wanted me to ask, your series lengths are amazing and delightful. When you are <laughs> starting a series, do you know about how long they're going to run or or do they expand over time? I know you said with the Psy Changeling that you knew that where you were going to, um, it's Allegiance that's the pivot book, right? So yeah. you knew where you were going to Allegiance of Honor and then you began the, the, Trinity, um, the Trinity sequence, which sounds like a really bad spy movie, I beg your pardon. <laughs> But do you know how long all your series are going to run or do the worlds just sort of shift and we just tack a few books on the end there? It'll be fine. (laughs) Um, So it depends. So with the contemporaries, for example, I do know Mm -hmm. because the the contemporaries are based around people. So a group of people, I had my rock stars and I've got my Bishop Acera family. So obviously it's within that that group. Each person will have a story. So I know how many books there'll be. But in terms of the speculative fiction stuff, so the paranormal romance, the urban fantasy, yeah, I have no idea. Honestly, um, and even with the site changing series, even though I knew the arc, like um, I knew where the first arc was going to finish, I actually had no idea how many books it would take to tell that story. I think it's important to know the arc because that's yeah. what holds the whole series together. Oh, absolutely. But in terms of, yeah, in terms of how long it takes, I'm super open to it and... 
willing to go where the characters lead me. Yeah. And it's been interesting with the Guild Hunter series because it's just um, it's just structured a little differently from most series. And so there's space in there to have those stories that are unexpected mm-hmm. that come up. And somehow it all works. Yeah. So, for example, the, the Titus and Shireen story. Ask me five books ago if that was coming and I'd be like, are you crazy? What have you been smoking? You know? <laughs> I can't tell you a number generally in, in those series, but I can tell you the story I'm trying to tell. Yeah. And I know for you with, with knowing where you're going, that larger plot arc I think is always evident um, I am very bad at watching television where I don't know that the writers know where they're going or if I suspect that their goal is perpetuity and syndication, which means that they're just going to keep, keep inventing conflicts that are just mm. silly and never reserve, resolve them. The idea of a specific set number of stories and this is the story mm. and here it is. It's like the the K-drama, the telenovela model. Like we know the ending. We're going here. So for yeah. you to know the overarching story, I mean, you might need to add a few cars to the train, but you know where you're going. Yeah, I think, um, honestly, that's how I learned as well with uh, watching TV. And I got really frustrated with right? some shows that I, I could tell they didn't know. They yes. didn't know because they were just making stuff up. Yes, you can <laughs> always tell. Yeah. I can it made tell. me crazy because I was like, there has to be, there has to be a resolution. So, for example, if a, if a person reads um, the first arc of the Titanic series, there is a resolution point. Things change. There's a major change from Slave to Sensation to Allegiance of Honor. Yes. And then if they want, they can actually be like, okay, I'm satisfied. You know, there's a satisfaction thing there. That yeah. You get that payoff. And do we want to go on to season two to find the impact of all those changes? And so season two begins, um, it's a new beginning. And so you've still got the resolution from the first set. Yeah. So it's not like a continuous thing where you never actually get any kind of resolution. Yes. Even in the Guild Hunter series, even though it's structured differently, I feel like we've had those climax peaks where things have happened and then we've had, you know, like lulls and then again, we've had something happen. Yeah. Um, For example, the villain we talked about, you know, that did come to a resolution. She's not sort of endlessly there herself. You know, she's not there anymore because it had to be resolved. It's important to me to give readers that payoff Mm -hmm. because of who I am as a writer. I also like the aftermath books. I like writing. Oh, emotional cleanup. Yeah, exactly. It's like, okay, we got the impact. We got the climax. We got this big battle, but I never like stories that finish at that point because it's like, but I want to know how they figured it out after, you know, this world has been destroyed, for example, or this horrible thing happened and it finishes with them like triumphant. But I'm like, yeah, but I want to know how they dealt with the chaos that was left behind. Things happen, it's dealt with, and then we see the aftermath and then perhaps something else is going to occur. But there is um, there is also an overarching kind of theme yeah. that I I want to deal with and yeah, show and I stopped talking before I spoil it. So, oh no, you can keep talking. <laughs> Do you remember we did an interview built on the whole idea that I was trying to get you to spoil your book and you were just like, and speaking of flowers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really hard because um, with series, there's so many threads running in my head. Yeah. And I quite often do actually have to tell myself to stop talking because if I keep talking, I'll just tell you. And, oh, and this is what I actually want to write. And this is where I see it going. And I'm like, no, no, just be quiet now. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> See, that's a skill. Of course, my next question was going to be, what are you working on right now? Can you talk about it at all? Yeah, I can talk about it a little bit. Um, I'm talking, uh, doing the next side changing book. Mm-hmm. It's titled Storm Echo. And, These are um, great titles. Isn't it great? I love it. That's a good title. I mean, I just love all of the 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 Trinity titles, especially all of the aquatic references. I'm a big fan of those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it actually takes a long time to come up with them because I really want them to fit the yeah. book. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I, I drive quite often. I drive Ashwini crazy because I'm like, brainstorm <laughs> with me, brainstorm with me. She's like, oh, my God, stop. stop. But she's great. Um <laughs> But yeah, I just imagine her giving you this absolutely mammoth bucket of refrigerator poetry <laughs> magnets and be like, here, find your title in here. It's just, just reach in and grab <laughs> some words. Yeah. <laughs> just reach in and grab some words and there's your title. <laughs> it basically is that because I find words that resonate with yeah. the book and then I have to try and come up with a title yep. with those. We will be back in San Francisco for part of this book. But the characters are not like a dark river leopard or a snow dancer wolf. But we will see some of our favorites again, which is, is, some reader favorites again. People bear, you know, bear, 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 <laughs> bear? bear. Oh, bugger. it's actually a psi changeling romance. So um, there's a psi and a changeling. So and for the rest, you'll have to wait because I really want to do a bit more work on this before I, <laughs> I spill more details because I've been before where I'm like, oh, I know what I'm doing. And the character's like, ha, ha, ha. No, you do you not do know not what know. you're doing. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. That reminds me of something I did want to ask you. I know that you often have for a lot of your books, you have basically the, the post-it note summary, like Night to mm-hmm. Her Queen. Gosh, I'd have to look at the transcript, but Heart of Obsidian was something about obsession. Yeah, obsession, devotion. Obsession yeah. and devotion. So did you have yeah. a, a, a touchstone phrase for, the, for Archangel's Light? No. No, because I think, and so every book is different mm-hmm. and every book has a different kind of a thing that yeah. I, that works for me. So for example, when I was writing, um, when I was writing Shield of Winter, I was listening to Halo by Beyonce, like on repeat, like 10,000 times because it just yeah. spoke to that book. And for Heart of Obsidian, you know, I had that post-it note with the touchstone with Archangel's Light. I think because I've been living with these two for so long. It was more just like this obsessive writing, yeah. like just just being there in the moment. It was so much time to tell the story. Yeah. I was just like, it was all on there. It's all on the page. You yeah. know, it's, it's, I had to just get it out. And then I had to figure it out. Um, and I think a lot of the anchors for this book are, you know, there's quotes scattered throughout. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those really spoke to me. I had a lot of them in my mind as I was writing because they – they really resonated with me for their story. And there was a particular line that uh, Iliam says in a previous book, which is that all my loves leave me in the winter snow. That line just kind of just stuck. Mm-hmm. And I think probably if you had to link to anyone, anything, would be that I one. would say that one, because I think it tells you so much about Iliam yeah. when you get to the history behind that comment and why he would say that and his emotions behind it. My last question is always, is what books are you reading right now that you want to tell people about? And I have a TV recommendation for you. Oh, okay. I've had an interesting reading month, which is that I, I kind of had a little slump. So, I hate that. Yeah, I, I'm out of it now. So I can tell you about one book I'm reading right now. But what I thought I would do is tell you about 
some books that I'm super excited to read that I that I have. When I was in the slump, and I quite often find coming out of the slump, I just reread, which is it works, you know. And so I was I've been rereading on audio the JD Robb books. Oh uh, because there's they're such a favorite series and I'd never actually listened to them on audio. I I'd always read the books. So that's been actually really interesting because we're at like 50 something books now and going back to the beginning, there's such a difference. Um, oh my gosh. In all the characters. Yeah. They, they evolve so much. I think we tend to focus on Eve's evolution, but even Rourke and e- the relationship that Eve has with Somerset, it's oh, all yeah. these things have just evolving and it's actually really interesting. And the funny thing was I had an early copy of the February 2022 book, Abandon and Death. Mm-hmm. So I'd read that. And then I went into this these sort of audio rereads. And so I had the a vision of who they are now very strong in my mind and then going back to the beginning. So that oh, was wow. actually super interesting. I've paused the, the rereads for the moment because, again, I have to keep them in my back pocket for, yeah. <laughs> for when I need it. And so what I'm reading right now um, and really enjoying is um, Wonton Terror by Vivian Chien. It's a cozy mystery series. It's a noodle shop mysteries. And I think this is book four that I'm on. And I just really like them. They're, they're fun. And so I think of Lana Lee as like, um, you know, Jessica Fletcher. Mm-hmm. Don't invite her around because somebody's going to die. <laughs> I don't know how these people but, keep getting invited places. Like every time they show up, somebody dies. Has no one caught on to this? <laughs> exactly. So, um, yeah, I actually really enjoy them. I, I love she's built the, you know, the author has built this community of people that are always in all the books. And um, and then I've got a few books um, that I'm waiting to read. So I've got um, an early copy of Nisha Sharma's Dating Dr. Dill, which I'm looking forward to. So this, I think, is Nisha's first adult rom-com romance. So I'm excited to see what she does with it. I already like the title because it's it's actually a pun. So Dill means heart, and I think he's meant to be a bit heartless. So I'm looking forward to that. And I've also just ordered a copy of Rebecca Witherspoon's A Thorn in the Saddle. Yep. Is that she just she did this Twitter thread and I was like yeah that, that so Twitter sells books I mean, oh <laughs> so I'm like yes yeah, it does I need this book yeah. yeah and oh and I'm also waiting I think it's next month or um anyway it's pre-ordered Jane Castle's Guild Boss oh <laughs> I love those books I love those books the the sort of her futuristic harmony. Yep. Books. So, yeah. So that's what I have on my to be read list and my current reads. Fabulous. Now, I don't know if this show has made it to New Zealand yet, but I have a feeling it will. There's a show um, that's been on in the States called Only Murders in the Building. Have you heard of this? I've seen it online and it looks so good. It hasn't made it to New Zealand yet. I can't wait. It is so good. And it's one of those shows where you know they know where they're going. Yeah. Like there's an end. There's there's a number yeah. of episodes. This oh, is wow. the story. The mystery is so good. And it does that thing that you do where there's like a tiny little drop in one episode. And then six episodes later, you're like, oh, holy crap. 
That's what that means. Oh, I can't wait. It yeah. looks so good. Just like, just from the little, little trailer and things I've seen. It's Yeah, it's definitely on my list. It's super New York too. I know you'll like that part. Like it's extremely oh, yeah? New York. Yeah. Very, New York. Oh, it's one I of those shows where New it's York. like really New York and a very specific <laughs> part of New York. Oh yeah. And that brings us to the end of this week's interview. But I have one more thing. It's like those old Apple broadcasts. Remember those? One more thing. In this case, one more question. Varian in my Patreon community emailed a question and Nalini was kind enough to answer over email. Varian wrote, Quiet in her bones was deeply cathartic for me. It has one of the best portrayals of memory loss and the fear that comes with it that I have ever read. I cried because of how hard I related to it. My question is, did you have this aspect of the book planned from the start or did it come up in the writing process? And in answer to Varian's question, Nalini wrote, I'm not really a big plotter when I write. I tend to have a basic sketch of things and then I just go for it. With the thrillers, I'm aware of the players and what role each plays, but I don't know them. That's part of the fun of my first draft. A friend calls this the discovery draft. It's a conversation with my characters in a sense. I think constantly about them, whether I'm at the computer or washing dishes. They come alive in my head, facet by facet, secret by secret. When I wrote my very rough first draft and met Arav, I knew there was something about him that I wasn't getting or didn't know. It was subtle at first, just little things that made me take a second and then a third look. It was a slow reveal. I feel as if I discovered his brain trauma and associated memory glitches as he did, which I think helped me to write it more naturally. It wasn't something I imposed on the character. It was part of him from the first, though neither one of us knew it when he first opened the door to the detectives. I hope that makes sense. I'm a very instinctive writer, so breaking things down in terms of process is a bit of a mission at times. Thank you for the question, Varian, and thank you, Nalini, for your time and for answering that one as well. I will have links to every single book we talked about in the show notes. Never fear. I would never let you down like that. This episode is brought to you in part by Gainful. There is nothing more personal than your health. So when it comes to finding the right nutrition supplements to meet your fitness goals, you need a personalized approach. Thankfully, now there's Gainful, a personalized nutrition system that's formulated for your body and your goals. I started by taking the five-minute Gainful quiz, which considers my dietary needs, my fitness and health goals, and my unique physiology to personalize my formula. But this is my favorite part. The supplement is flavorless, and I receive different flavor boosts so I can customize how I want my supplement to taste. Chocolate and peanut butter? Matcha green tea? It's up to me. I have options, and I'm not stuck with a giant tub of one flavor that I'm going to get tired of. It's a total win. Start your personalized fitness journey today with Gainful. Get $20 off your personalized supplements by going to gainful.com slash Sarah. That's gainful.com slash Sarah for $20 off. Gainful, personalized nutrition made for your tastes. As always, I end every episode with an absolutely abysmal joke. Before I do that, though, if you're listening and thinking, what music is this? This is Adeste Fiddles by Deviations Project. I play this music once a year and I love it every time. So if you're looking for that album, you're looking for all this cool holiday music, that's Adeste Fiddles, the greatest album name ever. And now, joke time. Why did the mustard lose the race between the sauces? Why did the mustard lose the race between sauces? Because it couldn't catch up. <laughs> He's so silly. I love it. You can always send me the very worst joke you've ever heard because you know I want to hear it at Sarah at smartbitchestragybooks.com. 
Thank you again for joining me this week. I am honored that you hang out with me and it's a pleasure to keep you company, whatever you're doing. We wish you the very best of reading. Have a wonderful weekend and we'll see you back here next week. Smart Podcast Trashy Books is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. You can find outstanding podcasts to subscribe to at frolic.media slash podcasts.